Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Today uh, we are joined by Zoe Blasky and we're very excited to have her with us. So Zoe is a writer, speaker and coach uh, working with mums to help reconnect with themselves through self-compassion, mindfulness and wellness techniques. She has a podcast, uh, a number one rated podcast um, called Mother Kind, which brings dynamic, nurturing and inspiring conversations with some of the world's best well-being leaders all focused on helping the listener to connect with themselves, um, which I am a big fan of her podcast. Uh, She is also a sober mum, which I discovered, which I was very, very excited about. Um, uh, She's been sober for five years. uh, So she lives with her daughter, Jessie, and her husband in London. Um, So we're really excited and thankful that you could join us, Zoe. So thank you. Uh, We always start the podcast by just checking in saying, how are you? So how are you doing today, Zoe? Uh, Well, thanks for having me. I am doing well, actually. I'm doing really well, although a little bit tired because Jessie was up for three hours in the night. So (laughs) I can just feel that slight tinge of weariness. Um, (laughs) But but generally, I'm doing really well. Thanks. Mm. I hear the the um, the the tiredness because I I have a tiredness story just quickly because um, and it's not competitive tiredness because you know we're all mums aren't we so we're all knackered. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my husband was snoring um, and about and I can't find my earplugs, so I went. Uh, to the spare room and my son had taken the duvet off the spare bed so I went downstairs and I just snuggled down and then the hamster which is sort of underneath the stair thing that's open started going and then that stopped then the boiler came on right so this is all going on between like 4 30 and about six o'clock and then I've just got my daughter a Furby a Furby connect and then I could hear that in the kitchen going mm, ah and things like that so I was just like oh you're all just trying to just kill me <laughs> and I've got my son off school for two days because the school boiler's broken so it's how just, are you that... Mandy? <laughs> yeah I'm uh, I'm good but it's just that constant thing isn't it of being a mum and you're you've got your week planned and it's like right okay you know this is this and then you're one child or turns around it's like oh I've got a headache and you're just like no 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 (laughs) you can't be ill (laughs) I got shit to do um but luckily well I just you know shoved him off to school and so we'll see uh, whether he comes back again but <laughs> yeah I'm uh, I'm pretty good actually I um I was I was in London as you know Kate because I was with you at the weekend so I got back uh Sunday night I got back about midnight but I was quite strict when I was there and didn't plan in too much stuff because last time we were there I was just absolutely broken when I got back so I just saw two friends and went to bed early and hung out with my parents so <laughs> I'm all right so, uh, Zoe, um, when I found out that you were sober, I was uh, interested to talk to you about that because obviously you do a lot of work with mums 
uh, talking about other things, but it's not a focus within your work, but it's yeah. still part of your journey. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your decision to go alcohol free? Where did that come from and how did that start? Yeah, so um, it was a gradual decision. I didn't have one of those like dead stops. So I, um, through my sort of late teens, early 20s, I definitely used alcohol as a crutch um, to mask low self-worth, anxiety, um, perfectionism. Just really, I didn't have a very good relationship with myself. But I didn't know any of that then. I just knew that I, you know, liked getting drunk. I also liked overworking. I also like liked dating a lot, and I also liked shopping a lot. I mean, I basically used lots of things to to avoid myself and to numb out. Um, but I was super lucky. I didn't think it at the time, but now looking back, I was super lucky because I had a major, major family crisis when I was twenty three. Um, lots of addiction and dysfunction in my immediate and extended family and I found a 12-step program called Al-Anon which is different to AA so Al-Anon is like the sister fellowship to AA so I started to go there and um, just fell in love with it and fell in love with the process of looking within Mm. so I started to realize how much I hated myself I started to realize how negative all my inner self-talk was. I realized I had no boundaries. I didn't even know what a boundary was. <laughs> I realized I was codependent. Mm. Um, all these things, all these things. And um, I had lots of therapy. I got into meditation. I got into yoga. I was going to like five or six meetings a week. I just had this explosion of, um, felt like a new life. It felt like waking up. It felt like waking up. It felt like I'd been asleep until that point and I suddenly realized oh my god I get to choose what I do with this life I could do anything Mm. and um so I was 23 then and it it took me a few years to like settle into that and um find some balance I definitely went extreme with it like it's all I wanted to talk about for a bit and my friends were getting a bit pissed off (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was so excited I felt like I'd found the secret to life which in some ways I had of course which was Mm. you know that, that I get to choose um, you know, my experience of my days and my, and my years and my life. But I was still drinking at that point because I was young and I was living in London and I was with quite a boozy crowd um, and I lived with my two best mates and there was a lot of alcohol around. And um, But it started to feel really um, juxtaposed with, with all the inner work that I was doing. It started to feel really weird when I would get drunk mm-hmm. because I was starting to live my life through, like, I was able to connect to something bigger than me through some spiritual practices. I was feeling loads of guidance in my life. And I felt like when I was drinking, all that would stop. And I would start Mm. to make some like not great decisions. Um, So yeah, that started to feel pretty uncomfortable. And then in 2013, I got married and I was drinking at my wedding. I didn't get drunk. And then it was when we were on honeymoon and we we didn't really drink. And I think I realized then that it just wasn't really serving me. Like when I was drunk, my hangovers were really bad. I felt like I was just not showing up as a person that I was becoming drinking. I felt like mm. I was doing it just to fit in. I wasn't really doing it for the right reasons. And so when I connected with that question, like what's my intention for drinking? 
it really became clear that I just wanted to stop. So we went on a really big honeymoon. Um, we were so lucky. We went to Sri Lanka. And um, I think we had like I had like one drink there. And then when I got home, it was January 2014. And I thought, OK, I'm just not going to drink for the rest of January. And then I just never drank again. And that was five years ago oh, this month. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks. And, and also, yeah. can I just say that I, I find this really, really interesting. I, a lot of this resonates with me like so much of it, you know, the low self-esteem, that when you said, you know, shopping and dating and drinking and doing lots and working really hard, overworking, I, you know, really, really similar. And I know for me when, because I stopped drinking, but I didn't have the self-care mm. stuff in place or I didn't know about boundaries. I didn't know about self-compassion. I just stopped using the mental sort of like I just starved it of oxygen. It was a very clear decision because of where I where I had got to personally. And when I got that, all the self-care stuff started to come in. That's what made me blossom. I suddenly realised that 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 through that lens, it was the biggest kind of act of self-care because if I drank, it disconnected me from myself and I'd actually made a connection and I actually liked myself for the first time because of that work that you're talking about, that sort of inner work and that spiritual practice, maybe reflective, that kindness sort of thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that was my experience. I did it the other way. So yeah, right. I did all of that inner work. And then the booze just didn't fit, mm. didn't fit anymore. I was like, I love myself. Why would I want to become someone else? Why would I want to make my head fuzzy when actually, you know, I know how to have really positive, kind, loving thoughts about myself now. Mm. So I, I did it the other way. Yeah, really, fascinating. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, but, but, but the thing is, is that my experience was that it was never about the booze. It, it's never about the booze. Mm. Booze is just, I could have picked up any, anything. And I did, I, you know, I never, I never was an alcoholic. Um, I never chose one substance and went for it. Although I, I could have done. Um, I, I just, because I was such a controller, my codependency didn't let me do that. I just chose lots of little things to numb out. I was just numbing out all the time, just, mm. just because I didn't know how to be with myself. Mm. And the moment I got that, like how to be with myself, I sort of didn't want to leave it because I yeah. love myself. So I was yeah, like, why would I ever work or drink or, or take drugs or do any of that stuff anymore? Because it doesn't serve me. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting that we did it the other way, the other way around. Yeah, mm. and I think, well, I think a lot, really? I mean, a lot of people do and I think this we talk about this gray area of drinking you know so it's like it's not this black and white that I was an alcoholic and I had no other choice but to stop it's more when you're you're com you know let's talk about it beforehand and and I love that sort of what's my intention for drinking that's such a really interesting Good question, question. Mm -hmm. um and it is and and that whole thing of I mean I was I think a lot of mums you know, that that lack of self-identity when you become a mum and, you know, you're kind of immersed in uh, caring for someone else and you lose that care for yourself. Um, and that was definitely kind of my experience too, that I was, I lost who I was. And the only person that I'd, I'd ever been was that party girl, you know, before I had kids. So when I was grasping to find myself again when I'd had kids... I went back to that person, but I knew that person wasn't the person that I wanted to be anymore, but I hadn't 
ever figured out who I was. And, you know, going back to kind of values and going back to your core humanity, I had to go back to when I was 14. Do you know what I mean? Like proper kids, because from that time on, I'd, I'd been drinking and partying and that's who I'd been. So I had to really go back to a long, long time ago and, you know, trauma and and a lot of things that had happened in my life to kind of find, yeah, that's that care, that self-love, you know, that kind of self-worth. Um, and it's absolutely key in long-term sobriety to forgive yourself, to love yourself and to feel like you're worthwhile because, you know, then you, you are making a positive choice to go, no, I'm, I'm not doing that to myself anymore. Mm. So, yeah, know, amazing. there's something that I find quite interesting as well that I, I think comes up. I see it on sober forums and I see it with people that I talk to. There's a slight confusion, and I think it probably is because of the mummy wine culture, that stopping drinking feels like to some people like they're being hard on themselves and it feeds Mm. very much into this area that we're talking about Zoe about okay so I'm confused I'm trying to be kind to myself I'm trying to give myself a break and yet we are being sold these kind of messages that well you deserve a glass of wine so it's all got really really and people don't know what to kind of do with that I see quite a lot of confusion with that don't know what your thoughts are on that yeah, I hear that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you know, similar mums that I work with. Although I don't, I don't focus on alcohol because for me it's just a symptom anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm always going under when I work with someone. But, but um, yeah, I do. I hear that a lot. Um, that it's it's the way that a mum will often. What I hear is put the kids down, come downstairs. You know, finally there's no one else in the house, or maybe the husband's off doing something, and and then pour yourself a glass of wine. Um, but for me, what I realized is that, is that that wasn't serving me. It wasn't, you know, when I asked that question, which I said before, you know, what's my intention with this? I found there were way more effective ways that I could get that sense of ease and relaxation that actually brought me home to myself and raised my esteem, didn't lower my esteem. It helped my anxiety it didn't make my anxiety go crazy, which alcohol did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say, if you have any tendency towards anxiety, stop drinking. Stop yeah, drinking. Yeah, it's, like pouring, it's like petrol pouring gasoline on it. On it. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. pouring petrol on it. Just stop drinking. And if you can't stop, go to AA. I do get quite clear about that. Mm-hmm. I, I get frustrated with all the chat about anxiety on Instagram mm-hmm. and you know, drinking mum saying I'm anxious. It's like, well, of course you're anxious. Yeah. If you have a tendency to fear, anxiety, critical thinking, alcohol will magnify that. Mm. doesn't matter how, what you're drinking, how often you're drinking, how you feel when you have that drink, it, it will magnify it. That's proven. Um, yeah. You know, there's loads of research on that. That's not, that's not me just saying it. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, so for me, it's all about... It's all about, you know, how do I want to show up? What, how do I want to feel about myself? And I might, I just really wanted to feel good. I just wanted to feel good. And I wanted to feel secure in myself and I wanted to feel happy and joyful and drinking just didn't fit that anymore. I found other ways Mm. that um, led me to that. So when I, when I stopped all the numbing out and all the running, um, 
of which alcohol was part of. Then it enabled me to do enough work on myself that I could come into that self-kindness and then self-love. Yeah. Um, and from that, everything good happens, you know. From that sort of, you know, world's well, my oyster a bit. Um, what what because you said you know that the, the inner work what were the major sort of what was the major process I know you've mentioned Al-Anon but you know was yeah. it sort of self-compassion was it what what was the sort of the big big crunches for you sort of thing yeah Al-Anon was Al-Anon was the big one because that was you know that's been I, I've done that 12 years now mm. um week in week out you know I've, I've done the steps numerous times I have loads of sponsees. I have sponsors. I'm really in that world. Mm. What that really is, is a system. It's just like any other system. It's just a system to look within and release patterns. Mm. So I realized that I had all these patterns that were not serving me. Um, so I was, I was massively perfectionist. A lot of what I did was based in fear. So I was making decisions from fear mm not from not from a place of trust or knowing who I was. Um, I was codependent, so I really struggled with working out where I stopped and another began. I'd say yes when I meant no. You know, so Al-Anon really turned my life upside down. Um, so I, I learned to start making decisions from a place of faith and trust instead of fear. I learned about boundaries. I learned about... Um, you know, detaching from other people. I learned about um, everything. I mean, all I just, I just learned how to live. I grew up in Illinois. I, you know, I mm. feel like I was born at twenty-three. Before that, I was just, I was just surviving. Mm. I was literally just surviving. I didn't, I didn't know who I was or what I wanted. I didn't really know what joy felt like. I knew what fun felt like, mm. but I didn't know what that that real joy felt like. Mm. Um, yeah, so Al-Anon was the big one. And then I had lots of therapy on top of that, um, lots of different types of therapy. So everything from somatic, so trauma and body work, um, through to CBT, talking therapy, psychotherapy, I mean, lots of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, um, I, I'm, I'm all over the therapy. I, love, I, love it. I absolutely love it. I still have, I still have therapy because I yeah, love so it. Yeah, so do I. Um, I think it's a massive part of self-care is is giving yeah. myself the space and time to work through my feelings with a non-judgmental yeah. expert. Mm. Um, so so therapy, I really got into yoga. Um, I got into, because I really lived from the neck up. Um, I, I didn't really have a relationship with my body. I mean, I'd abused it for years, you know, yeah. working it too hard, dieting it and then giving it sugar and, you know, and then giving it alcohol and then you know I was just I just didn't have a very good relationship with my body although it never manifested into eating disorders which I am grateful for because it could have done mm. um so so yeah so I got into yoga I got into um nutrition I realized that what I ate affected how I felt mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I realized that and when you realize it I was like I can't believe I never thought about that before yeah because um what else did I do I got really into some um more alternative therapies like um EFT tapping Mm. um so I I did lots of lots of tapping I got really into spiritual practices so prayer and meditation Mm. really into meditation and I I ended up training as a meditation teacher Mm -hmm. um 
I mean, all of it. I mean, I, I just, I just sort of was just, I was like, give it, give it all to me. I am, mm. I am ready to um, try everything. I found it really exciting. I still do. Mm. I still find it really exciting. I, I try, you know, everything. I, I'm so open um, and interested and there's so much to learn about the mind and the body and spirituality and personal development and you know, it's my it's my mission. I, I absolutely love it. And what I learn, I then I then share either through the podcast mm. or science or you know I might write about it. I just so love yeah. It. So you were sort of saying that you found other ways to relax and and so you not use alcohol uh, for that purpose. So what what things do you do, for example, if you've had a stressful day with your daughter or you know when when someone else would go downstairs and and open a bottle of wine what would you do to kind of you know relax or feel better yeah it depends on the degree of the stress like if it's been (laughs) a really shit day then I might call someone in recovery or I might call a really good friend and share it so that's Mm -hmm. like my first thing is like sharing it um because I always feel better um I might try and go to an Al-Anon meeting because I always feel better like Mm -hmm. there's something there's something there's some alchemy that happens when you sit in that circle it's I can't explain it mm-hmm. um I would if it's been really bad I would I would do that um I would journal so journaling is like one of my absolute go-tos so I would I would you know write out what's going on for me and then I'd realize oh that's why I feel so bad mm. um, that's that's what it's about. Um, I w- I might cook myself some nice food or ask my husband to cook me some nice food. <laughs> um, it depends. I might I might you know I love watching like TV sometimes mm. trashy TV sometimes more sort of intelligent TV. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I have to watch myself with TV that I don't use it as an as as a numb. You know I was so, going to say that because like I. I when you were when you were sort of talking about those, I was thinking all of those are sort of there was a, there's a reflective practice in there, a sharing yeah. and reflective practice, a leaning into them, yeah, then a, and being with, isn't there? And then you when you said the TV because I love the walking I, I, every episode now I talk about the Walking Dead because I love the Walking Dead that zombie <laughs> Netflix, and I actually do use Netflix sometimes, and I and yeah, I think I love, that's yeah. fine, you know, if sometimes you just sometimes you do need that you can't always be leaning in but I know that at some point I probably will have to because you know if I've just anyway sorry carry on (laughs) I mean it it comes back to intention like for me I bring everything back to that question so Mm. if I if something's happened and I'm like I just want to sit on the sofa and binge tv I sometimes I don't catch it and you know what that doesn't matter like I'm not Mm. perfect no one's perfect it absolutely doesn't matter but sometimes I can catch myself and be like, oh, what's my, what's my intention? Like, what's going on with you? Um, and then I'll just give myself five minutes to just see what's going on before I'll go and, before I'll go and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, I have to say it's quite rare that I'll sit and watch TV. Um, I love catastrophe. Just think it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then and then Guy and I'll watch you know a series together maybe. Um, but yeah, it, it is quite rare. It is quite rare that I will that I will do that. Yeah, I mean, what's quite interesting with me is um, I've I used to watch a lot. I was saying to Kate this the other day. I used to watch a lot of crap TV, 
Uh, and I think it was that kind of numbing out kind of escapism. And I, I actually really don't watch very much. I don't watch TV very much at all. One thing is because I have kind of, I have PTSD and sleep anxiety issues. So like sleep is a big, big thing for me. So um, I've learned that I have to kind of go to bed early and I've, I've learned yeah. to be okay with that. And I do, my kids are older, my daughter's 12 and a half, my son's 10. So they don't go to bed that early anymore. Like, so we tend to read together and then I just go to bed when my, cause my husband's away. When my husband's here, we'll watch an ep- one episode ooh, of a series. <laughs> but, um, but what I've realized is that I, I don't have much uh, capacity for, for shit anymore, which is really interesting. Like it has to kind of really feel yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes I'll be really tired and I'll just, like, watch a film in the middle of the day and that'll feel massively kind of um, luxurious. But, yeah, just watching TV for the sake of watching it is, is kind of gone, which is nice, you know? It's like I've got other things to do in my time. That's a really good sign. Really yeah. good sign. Yeah, I'd say so. I was quite proud of myself. Yeah, I would say um, I don't watch, I never sort of browse or idly watch TV. I very specifically do a box set and that's what yeah. I use it too. I can literally feel the stress levels coming down um, and I'll probably just watch one. Yeah. Uh, but And I've always been kind of quite conscious of, of what that is and why I want to do it and other people and I remember sort of my husband would be like just watch something else it's really boring and I'm like no because I'm using it I am using it to do that I don't want yeah. to watch anything else I just want to do that at the moment so don't know yeah. but I mean in the first year because we were sort of talking about in the first year of of sobriety I mean I know definitely for me I just had to it was almost like retraining the the patterns, the daily patterns kind of thing. Um, and it was sort of almost such a big undertaking. I, I I wasn't almost ready to look at the self-care stuff or mm. go any deeper until I got a while under my belt sober. So I wonder if it depends on the person. I wonder if there's a, you know, a different learning preference or a different stage do you know what I mean? I'm just quite interested in how different people do it in different ways, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you've been in Al-Anon beforehand, you know, you've kind of you've worked through that those elements before mm. coming to a decision to stopping drinking. Um, one of my best friends is in Al-Anon and um, I know it, it massively. I'd be interested to know, are the steps different to the steps of AA or are they exactly the same in kind of the language and stuff? Yeah, so Al-Anon, well, yeah, Al-Anon is for friends and families mm. of alcoholics and AA is obviously for alcoholics, but but yeah. any any 12 steps, so any behaviour that you struggle with, and there is a 12 step for everything these days. So mm, shopping, yeah. technology, mm. work, debting, gambling, drugs, um, sex, love. I mean, there's a specific one for cocaine now. I mean, anything you can think of, there will be a 12 step and they all follow the same principles. They all follow the same, um, system really of how to free yourself 
from that destructive behavior and and the reason that they're all the same in my opinion is because it's all the same stuff mm. you know you you could you can have a preference to alcohol or a preference to cocaine or a preference to shopping or work but underneath it all mm. um is the same it's the same feeling of wanting to numb yeah, yeah it's not, the avoidance not, of self the avoidance, the avoidance of self self aversion exactly. uh, um, yeah. going on yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and there's, you know, there's 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 a guy that I really um revere called Dr. Garben Dr. Ah. Garbe Mate. <laughs> I was just about to say his name, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so and you know, and he he's come out with this amazing body of work that says that underneath all addiction is trauma. And yeah. and I've I know that to be true from you know, having sat with thousands of people in Al-Anon, um, you know, and Al-Anon is an addiction just the same as as any other. Um it's an addiction to wanting to fix others and a, and a feeling of wanting to habitually avoid oneself. Um, yeah, is that is that people are traumatized? Mm. You know, people with people with issues with with whatever it it, it might be um, are not bad or wrong or weak. They are traumatized and they need to use something to help them cope with being in the world, um, and so pick up you know, a substance or a, um, a coping behavior. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That really resonates with me. And oh, totally. I think, yeah, through, I don't know if you know, she recovers, um, in America, but we work a lot with them. And, um, and when I went to their conference in LA, <laughs> everyone would be laughing, weren't they? Oh God, man, they started talking about LA again. <laughs> um, and it, it was amazing. And the thing that, yeah, I brought home was just like, oh, my God, like I'm I'm traumatized, you know, and all these women in this room, because it's women only, um, have had trauma. And, they're, you know, that's my that's what I need to work on. And that's my passion is is, you know, looking at this link between mental health, trauma and addiction, you know, yeah. the triangle of those three things. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think, and I think, I think what's important as well is lots of people hear that word trauma, and they think, well, I wasn't sexually abused, you know, I wasn't beaten up, I wasn't starved and locked in a cupboard, so I'm not traumatized. But what I've come to learn is that the the trauma can be, it's how you process a what happened to you. So, mm. so, so I've got clients who are traumatized because they had an un- emotionally unavailable mother. And they 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 processed that um, as traumatic. So they felt that they had to shut off a part of themselves in order to cope with the pain of thinking that their mum didn't love them. Mm, so yeah. so so it's not about it's not necessarily about what happened. It's about how you experienced what happened mm. that leads to trauma. That that you know, as you, and you'll know all this. That that, that then is at the root, um, often at the root of why people spin out into these these behaviors that aren't helpful yeah yeah I completely completely agree so I always call them like with my clients when I'm working with them on on my program which is called reconnect to you which is which is sort of does what I did in 12 years in three months um yeah. takes everything that I've learned and and brings people back to back to themselves um one of the first things that I say is let's look at what you do to cope like what are your coping tools mm-hmm. what did you have to do to survive 
Um, and that's that's where control, perfectionism, lack of boundaries, codependency, over drinking, overworking, they're all just coping tools. They're mm. not, you know, and, and I always say we have to honour them because they, they got us, you know, mm. my tools got me to where I got to. Um, some of them were quite helpful. You know, I had I got really successful grades because of my my overworking and my perfectionism. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just that they stopped serving me. So then I had to find another way. Um, yeah. So I think I think just being much softer with behavior is a really helpful lens. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing it as things that you do to cope or things that you do and drinking is definitely part of that for a lot of people Mm -hmm. as opposed to labeling yourself bad or wrong um which of course you're not of course you're not bad or wrong you're just you're just all humans are just trying to survive and we'll do that any way that we can often the the easiest way Mm. yeah I love that and I think that's so important for you know people to know and like I keep writing it it's just like there's there's nothing, I wrote it yesterday, I think, there's nothing wrong with struggle, you know, there's nothing to be, there's no shame in struggle, you know, it's like we're all just trying to survive and so many things have happened to us um, and, you know, we're just trying to find the ways to cope with it. You're absolutely right. um, Um, I really like what you said about also honouring your survival and coping strategies, because I think an an, an immediate flip for someone who's very hard on themselves can then beat themselves up over that too. And to actually go, well, yeah, that these two, two almost look at what you gain and what it costs you and mm. and always through that lens of self-compassion somehow that softening of like okay but I used it for this and and like yeah, you say that's exactly that's, that's that's just what happens that's okay we're all doing something I mean everyone's mm. doing something you know what I mean so yeah yeah exactly exactly and when people first start doing like this inner work mm. um what I've noticed is the awareness like quadruples overnight doesn't it and you're suddenly like I remember being like oh my god you know everything that I'm saying to myself is abusive in my head yeah, oh right. my god all my friendships are codependent oh my god and then, and I think it's at that, <laughs> I think it's at that point where it's like really important to be kind to yourself because mm-hmm. because as you're like in Al-Anon we talk about peeling the layers of the onion you know mm-hmm. and, and every layer that you peel back brings tears and new awareness and um I think right at the start of the journey, as you're coming into that awareness, you know, before you're in denial and that denial's lifting, mm. whatever that might be about, whether it's about drinking or a behavior or a relationship, um, that's arguably the most important time to be kind to yourself yeah. as you're realizing all these things that, that, you know, I remember realizing all these things I was doing that wasn't serving me, mm. um, and someone said that to me, just just honour these as things that you did to keep you safe. You didn't know any better. You were doing the best you had. Um, you were doing the best you could with what you had. And mm. that was so true. And that's all everyone is doing. Like, mm. I really believe that. I really believe that. I think everyone, even, you know, some of the most horrific people in society, I think everyone's just doing the best with what they've got. I, mm. I believe that, you know, in the depth of my heart. Mm. because if we could do better we would because that's human nature so I think it's just being really gentle and and kind really gentle and kind all the time I have to dig out um my blog because I wrote a blog uh 
must have been about six months ago or something where I had a real moment where it just all got a bit too much and that and I and it's something like me an onion and a woman cave <laughs> do you remember Kate <laughs> and it was like it was like basically I need you know it felt like that moment where it's like I need to go deeper uh, and I need to go into my woman cave and just you know sort of curl up in a ball and 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 look at my onion and just <laughs> go um, take the next layer off so mm. wow I, I never knew I was so inspired but <laughs> 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 okay, it's an Alanon phrase now. You've obviously picked it up from it's a twelve-step phrase. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, so tell us a little bit about um, what woman, uh, what womankind, what womankind and motherkind. Yeah, womankind's uh, next business. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. So, what um, what plans and projects have you got coming up in the future? So, what can you know if people want to engage with you more? Um, yeah, loads. So, so Motherkind is my, um, you know, I call it a self-help platform for modern mums. I, you know, I really, I really want Motherkind to be holding a space like you were doing about sobriety, you know, holding a space for a deeper conversation about motherhood. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's a more important time in our lives as women to, to do some inner work. Um, and, and a lot of my passion, you know, comes from breaking generational dysfunction because when mm. I look in, in my family I can see generation after generation of unhelpful behavior and, and unhappiness um you know and and I I want that to stop with me I don't want to pass that on or be a vehicle for that but that means I have to do a lot of work on myself so so you know that's my passion is helping other women do that really mm. um all through this lens of being kind to ourselves through very gently turning that mirror from out there to, to inwards. Um, yeah, so I do that through the podcast um, where I've had some amazing, amazing guests, like some of the some of the best sort of wellbeing teachers in the world, and I've got some I amazing guests coming on. Um, so I'm growing the podcast. That's one of my big focuses for this year. I want to reach more and more mums. Um, I already reached, you know, I'm blown away by the reach of it to be honest, but I want, I want that to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's a big focus. Um, I'm going to be launching some online programs. So at the moment, the only way to work with me is one-on-one -on -one and my time's really limited and I've got like a wait list until August or something. So, um, I'm going to create an online program so that more people can, more people can, you know, go through the reconnect to you program, um, which I'm really excited about. I'd love, I'd love, um, Personally, you know, I want to do more work for charity. I want to do, think harder about how I can use the vehicle of mother kind to, to do to do good in the world and be of bigger service. So I'm thinking about that a lot. Um, I'd love another child this year. Um, so I'm trying to think about how to create space for that in my life um, because I think that's what I need to do is, is create some space for that to, to come through. Um, I'd like to travel this year. That's going on for me um, uh, to some new places and go on some retreats and take Jesse on retreat and um, yeah, so so a lot going on. But I try not to I try not to approach motherkind how I've approached works previously, which is like that pushing energy and mm. got to do it and you know that like hustle and you know in the corporate world you know always politicking and manipulating and controlling and 
I try and do it really differently. I try and just turn up for it and be present and try my best. And, you know, Mother Kind is a sort of, you know, it sounds a bit spiritual, I guess, but it was sort of, you know, I was guided to start Mother Kind and the synchronicities that happened were like mind blowing. So I just try and keep on that path. Um, I I step off it all the time, like with Instagram, I freak out. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm never on stories and I don't have any followers and it's shit and I'm shit and the page is shit. So I do, I definitely step off my, you know, my serenity. Um, But I sort of, I know to get myself back there quite quickly. So yeah, another kind is, is I'm in it for the long haul as well. And, uh, you know, and I sense that you two are as well. I'm not yeah, here yeah. to be like a flash in the pan and, and make some money and leave. That is mm. absolutely not my goal. My goal is, you know, I hope to be doing this when I'm 60. Yeah, it's our life's yeah. work, right? It's, like life's it's my work. life's work. Like, mm. I've got a message. I've had a lot of pain and I, I know, and I've got wisdom through pain and I, mm. and I want to share that. Um, and it's my passion. So, so I take it slow and yeah. And I, well, I've, yeah, I'm also probably going to start writing a book this year, which is quite exciting. So there's, yeah, there's a lot on. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, right. So you need to go on holiday, get pregnant, have a guest over there and do a little bit of writing by the pool. I reckon you can fit it all in like I that. Do it, I can do it all. Yeah. Maybe in one day. Maybe you need to book a holiday. <laughs> I'm very good. We go on holiday a lot, I have to say. My husband and I are very good at, like, these days, you know, not overworking. So we do we do treat ourselves. You know, we'll have a month off in the summer. Um, Good for you. Yeah, yeah, I will. He'll work, but we'll go to France um, Mm. and have some time there. And, yeah. Well, amazing. And it's been so good to talk to you. I've really, Mm. really enjoyed it. And it's it's really nice, uh, I think... The thing that I love so much about being sober is these little discoveries of people. And it's just like, wow, she's quite interesting. Oh, Kristen Neff. Oh, I love her. And then it's like, oh, she doesn't drink. And it's just that little extra kind of like cherry on the top to be like, yes, this is a girl like I want to have a conversation with. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's not an exclusive club, but it just I think it teaches you so much about um about yourself and about your own pain and about getting through that and yeah and there is that kind of passion to share that with people and connect with people that that get what that get it you know that get trauma but I think and... there's something about if you know we, we often say I mean I didn't come out of of anonymity about being sober for for ages and it was working with a coach I put the blog love sober up and and that there's that thing about telling your truth means that other people can find you and it, it and so you know you we found each other Mandy didn't we and then we yeah. do the podcast so we try and tell be trying to tell the truth and be as honest as we can and then you find other people and it's just a beautiful thing that happens when you do because yeah. you can see each other and you don't feel yeah. lonely. You don't feel lonely anymore because I think yeah. a lot of us felt incredibly lonely, struggling with whatever problems we had, whether, you know, the alcohol, the self-care, the codependency. is such a lonely, fragmented space. So once you start speaking, once you start sharing, you can connect and that just soothe it, you know, that healing oh. sort of starts, doesn't it? Exactly, so, awesome. exactly. And that's, yeah. and that's what the 12 steps did for me. You know, it's a, oh. it's a place where everyone takes off their mask, from every walk of life 
you know, and shares what's going on in the inside. And, and you know, what's so amazing is that we can get that today through loads of different ways, you know, Instagram, forums, you know, meetups. It doesn't have to be 12 step, but, you know, I was thinking about the tip um, and, and that would be, that would be mine is, you know, is really shame, shame breeds in secrecy and mm. shame breeds when you're isolated and you're on your own. So for me, it's just about sharing with whoever you can. And that is what is so good about the fellowships is that anyone can go, you're totally anonymous. It's free. You know, they're all over the world. You know, it's, these are such a gift that we have these fellowships. I feel quite passionately about them. Mm. Um, and and you can just go and share your truth with a room of people that understand or not. You can just listen, mm. um, you know, or, and if you don't want to go down that route, find find someone like you found each other or, you know, a therapist or a coach or a friend or, you know, a great aunt who you think might be in recovery. You know, just find someone um, and to, to share how you're how you're doing on the inside, because that will break that cycle. It's mm. mm. fantastic. And what's your um, what's your reason to love sober today, Zoe? Oh, it's a big question. I don't, I just um, <laughs> I think I love it because it's given it's given me back to me. Oh, given yeah, me back to me. Beautiful, beautifully said. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a, a really amazing and really inspiring. You've you've really just oh resonated like with loud clanging bells everything you've said with me um yeah so so thank you um so we'll wrap up we'll wrap up here um if you're immediately concerned about your drinking um you know like like zoe said you know reach out get some support you know whether that's your gp um it could be alcohol concern for um agencies of local support could be um yeah an aa program alanon as well for people who who alcohol affects as well that that you know if one one thing hasn't worked for you reach out and and try something else or one of the online communities uh, so baristas she recovers etc and um have a great week and we will see you next week for more chat bye bye thank you bye, bye.